and opinions expressed on the Hard Time Podcast are of the hosts and guests individually. The Hard Time Podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. Human beings have thoughts and feelings that do not necessarily affect the professional performance of their duties. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. An inmate attacked a correctional officer in St. Louis County this week after he refused to go back to his cell. This is what we have to deal with inmates like that. Yeah, 24-7. Sit there and come away with a smart. So they're always going to try, but we've got to be proactive. Officers being praised for their quick actions. Got to still remain professional and, and do a job. County Sheriff says, quote, they are heroes in my book. Regular day at the office. This is hard time. I'm John. I'm a former correctional officer. I did that for about six and a half years. It was uh, eventually promoted to the rank of sergeant. Joining me as always is my podcasting partner, the poster boy for the poster act personality, even though he has done zero time overseas in service to this nation, but has perhaps, in fact, worked to advance the agenda of Saddam Hussein across the world. Jake, how are you doing? Doing well. I just just got up. The uh, kids are at grandma's, so I'm going to go pick them up here in a little bit, but just chilling, drinking the beer on another saturday morning i didn't know that your children had a grandmother let alone a mother so this i'm trying to catch up here on what's going on in your life well that that's how it works john i'll explain to you more in detail some other i always want to know people always say to me when a man and a woman love each other very much and i say let me stop you right there because i have no idea what the hell you're talking about (laughs) and we just never get around to it but i thought you told me that like you know how you were born was like a a volcano was struck by lightning didn't you that didn't you say that's how you came about (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the the legend here. That's why I have the Triscoll on here. Yeah, it's um, also it's also why you have no hair anywhere on your body. Uh, joining us <laughs> is a special guest, uh, Zach Attack Designs. Zach from the Crispy Donut Community, which is a uh, it's an everyday carry group on YouTube. You go over there, and they specialize in uh, I would guess also patches, but knives, fobs lanyards anything that you should be carrying with you every day in order to stay prepared and to look awesome and uh you know uh we all have been in that situation right where you're at a mattress store and you're arguing with the guy about how much the mattress costs because there's no prices listed anywhere he says i think it costs this much and you say well i think it costs this much and uh, he draws a blade of course you have to match him in kind drawing a fixed or some sort of switchy abouty blade i don't know what those are called but you put that in your teeth and you dance around each other for a while until the price becomes reasonable Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. That was uh, that was quite the picture you painted. Uh, I, I felt like I was there. Well, you know, I just try to relate my common everyday experiences to the people who listen to the show <laughs> about what what life is like where I live, and it's pretty raw. So, how are you doing? Uh, doing good. Uh, another wonderfully uh, freezing day here uh, where I am in my bunker. So. Thank you for uh, joining me again. For any of you who listen to Hard Time, we're also listening to Failure to Stop. Zach joined us on a recent episode of Illegal Shift, in which he uh, prayed for the, for the memories of the Cincinnati Bengals who poured one out for my team. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be rooting for them against the Browns. Um, so just so that you can at least win the Battle of Ohio, hold your head high yeah, that you yeah, had, no. you had a divisional win before you before you guys went home. Um. You're also here because you're a, you're a formal correctional officer, which I think is awesome. Yep. Uh, but that was quite a while ago. Why don't you tell quite us a, a, little, a little bit about, about your experiences and uh, tell me most of all why you decided to become a correctional officer, because frankly, it never seems like a good idea. And yet so many people have done it. Yeah, it was it was kind of more of a uh, more of an accident. Um, I turned uh, 21 and a friend of mine got me a job doing security. Um we did armed security for all kinds of places, which, you know, some of the guys left to go become correctional officers or police officers. A spot came open uh, at our, our, our county uh, jail over there. And a buddy of mine worked there and was like, hey, you should come work. And uh, I haven't talked to him since because I feel like he did me dirty. <laughs> you never forgave him for your career. You never forgave him for that. No, not so, at all. So, so the first time you're having to see the, the, the raw... <laughs> you know, the raw stripped away feeling of 
beholding a man naked in front of you. You, <laughs> yeah. you, 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 you lifted your fist to the heavens and cursed mm-hmm. his name. Damn you, yeah. sir. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> well, what, what was your experience like? Would you say, would you say you reflect on it positively? Would you say you don't reflect on it at all? Or um, it was mostly positive. Uh, you know, we we're not a small town so of course you know we had all kinds of uh individuals come through there and we got a lot of guys that were just there to just you know kind of do their time and get out and then there were other guys that their sole job was to make your life a living hell so uh you know it was it was about you know 50 50 is overall wasn't terrible but um in the end, you know, I left for a better opportunity and more money. So, well, that's all I would ask for you. Uh, <laughs> did you ever endure any assaults? Did you ever have to assault a guy? Did you ever go through anything cool or interesting or any stories you'd like to share? Just old war stories of the time when you you had to employ socially constructive violence in the name of the law. Yeah, uh, we had a uh, group of gentlemen. There was about five or six of them. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember the details of how they were brought in, but um, they were all very much um, users of bath salts when those were, you know, the, the big thing back in the day. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a fun time. And uh, the, their come down over the last, uh, over their first few days with us was just something to, something to behold. It's, uh, it's, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. No, I, I can remember stories of guys hyped up on bath salts who were like committing acts of blatant cannibalism and yeah. zombieism. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, that's that stuff that was in Florida, like the crocodile and all that, like the living zombies of Florida. Like, yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a great time to be in correction. <laughs> if, it, if it had occurred anywhere else other than Florida, I think it might have rocked this nation. But when you hear <laughs> yeah. things like that in Florida, you're just like... You know, I mean, and that was even sort of at the be- the beginning of the era of the Florida mandates. But yeah, yeah I think that pr- always that's had- probably what triggered it was all the crocodile going around. And- probably. I mean, uh, you know, you look at this country and the way that it, you know, it changed in the 80s and 90s and uh, kind of the fallout from post Vietnam. We had all these Vietnam veterans running around They're They're kind of a, a fading generation now. But all these guys who were hyped up on LSD in the 60s and then they went off to Vietnam and then they're all just in our country and they're all mad. And some of them are missing limbs. <laughs> Like, uh, it was kind of a, a bad time. We had kind of a hangover mm-hmm. from Vietnam. And now, you know, we're in, in sort of a different era. I know that uh, Jake is a classic example of someone who had his soul blasted away while he was in Iraq. And now he means to take it out on every American who paid the taxes to send him <laughs> over there. Uh, Jake, did you ever have any experiences with bath salts, personally uh, or professionally? <laughs> uh, personally, uh, they're very relaxing. Um, it's good for uh, sore joints and uh, that sort of thing. Um, professionally, yeah, we did have um, a young lady come in that was uh, on basalts, and um, she didn't attack us or anything. I mean, she weighed about 90 pounds soaking wet. She was just tiny little things. But um, it was interesting over the course of like a week and a half, the different things that she would tell us that she had seen and stuff because she was on that and a few other uh, substances simultaneously. So uh, we'd like go do a walkthrough and take a look at her. Like, How are you doing? What's what's going on? And she's like, she's like, are you going to pull the fire alarm? Like my entire cell's filling with smoke. And it's like, no, it's not. But no, I'm not going to. But you're fine. And she's like, you know, like there's a bear behind you it's like really okay thank you thank you for letting me know now i I will i will go take care of the bear now you have a good day and then i think it was about a week and a half into her her stay um she was like fine you could tell she'd finally come down because we'd known her before and never had any issues with this girl really she was pretty calm she's just you know into drugs a little bit in the gang life but nothing never had any serious charges never a serious issue and uh we were like uh hey what's what's going on and she was like she's like how the hell did i end up here i'm like i hate to tell you this but you've been here for like 11 days 10 11 days whatever it was and she's like what she's like i'm like you've been in booking for a week and a half (laughs) like that's that's kind of unusual um pre-coronavirus i was like uh this this is very 
very strange situation. She's like, I just, I just woke up. She's like, I was at a friend's house and now I'm here. And I'm like, well, your friend, uh, got raided. Um, and they're probably already bonded and out because you know, they're <laughs> on drugs <laughs> and, uh, the DEA actually raided the place and that's how she came to stay over at our facility. So I'm like, they're probably already gone and you're here. So life lesson. Um, but I did, I didn't, and we've had a few different people that have been like combative and stuff on bath salts. Most of the time um, I wasn't there, unfortunately to, uh, to experience that. I just got to watch the the highlight reels after the fact. Now, just to clarify for anyone who's listening who hasn't worked in the jail, um, it's very atypical for someone to stay in booking. They normally are processed through booking, and then they, they receive a cell assignment somewhere in a block or a pod or a mod or whatever you call it. Someone stays at booking because they're, they have an altered level of consciousness or they're intoxicated or whatever. In the state house where I worked, we did not have broad experience with that because they would either go to detox or... Um, you know, these these would typically be new charges for them, but sometimes guys would be out on parole and they would do various things. I never had an experience with bath salts, but I don't know what this guy was on. And I'm going to tell you a story that's surprisingly raw for me. I have like one of the most G-rated prison experiences ever, but <laughs> now I'm going to tell you a story, boys and girls, that will shock your conscience. Actually, I don't think it'll impress either one of you, but it was just a memorable story for me because it happened when I was very new. We had a guy in booking... And he's in there with his safety gown and safety blanket and really not much else. And we're waiting for him to sober up, which means every four hours we go and uh, PBT him. And the nurse checks him out, does a set of vitals, tries to, we try to get a blood pressure on him, make sure he's okay. Again, I do not know what he was on. I just don't remember. Um, but whenever I, we would go and talk to him and try to get him to communicate with the nurse to cooperate with these things that we needed to do, uh, he would scream at me call me all kinds of names but this is the thing that that uh, forever hurt my feelings turned around naked as a jaybird bent over spread his cheeks to show me his asshole and said do you like that faggot do you like that do you like that faggot and he would keep saying that to me and i just kept i just a tear went down my cheek and i said no sir i do not like that at all <laughs> Uh, my response was actually like I, I, I managed that was when I was learning still to like internalize shock and did not have it show because I was very I was brand brand new and I was there with a more seasoned officer and that kind of helped me get through that experience but that's what people are like you know um, people who don't understand the criminal element they don't understand criminals in their community they don't understand that a man will do this that he will turn around and face away from you and pull his cheeks apart and and right. challenge you as to whether or not you're enjoying this angrily like you know people behave this way and you know all people are kind of the same and i don't know are there any good people i have no idea but that, that was what my experience was in booking whenever the rare time was that we had people who were coming down so it's a very r-rated jim jim uh carry you know like using his yeah <laughs> yeah you know those those movies now i can't where he's uh he's doing that it uh i have ptsd flashbacks usually throwing up um they have to use uh smelling salts to revive me and uh you know i try to i remembering that i'll try to grab that and try to od on the smelling salts um at least it's not bath salts i mean at, at least, least it's not salts. no <laughs> uh so how long were you a correction officer zach uh two years so not terribly long Did, were not you just kind of you're not enjoying it or you just had a better gig come along uh, had a better gig come along, uh, offered a lot of travel around the country and just, you know, seeing different places. And, you know, as a, a younger dude that wasn't married at the time, I was like all for it. I would do the same thing. I wish sometimes that I had a job in which I was able to travel. In fact, a former 911 dispatcher got a job where he works on trains. It's his sole job is to be on a train and to write down the colors of lights that they pass. I don't know how that's a job, but he gets paid a bunch of money for that. And he works like four months straight and then he has the rest of the year off and he just makes an assload of money. And I'm like, I could ride around on the train. 
Yeah, I mean, that sounds like something I'm more than capable of doing. Getting away from people, pretending it's the 1800s. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do most of the time anyway. <laughs> Just riding the rails like a like a, like a hobo. Yeah, like, like a, hobo. a hobo. I wonder if they would let me bring my things in a bindle. Um, I wanted to share a couple stories. Uh, I was just before the show, I needed to contribute something. So I just started uh, Googling things. Uh, I put correctional officers in the news and I found a couple articles about uh, one prison and uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, play what I have found here. And I want to get your reaction to it. There's actually a couple of these. So I wonder, I wonder what you will think. And if ads play, I'm sorry, do not regard the ads. I will edit those out later. To a developing story today, Dakota News Now has been made aware of an attack at the state penitentiary in Sioux Falls. Sources are reporting that an inmate attacked an Aramark employee inside the cooler in the kitchen. An officer found the inmate on top of the employee with her in a chokehold. The victim was taken to a nearby hospital. DCI has been requested to help with the investigation. We've requested a statement from Aramark and have been yet to receive a response. Stay with Dakota News Now for any updates on this developing story. Rustin police are asking anyone with information about it. Okay. I'm not sure what that second one is or why I would they would be playing news from somewhere else. Uh, but I mentioned that because that was six days ago. And uh, officer at the South Dakota State Penitentiary tonight is choosing. Now this is from two days ago. Choosing to risk his own employment to get the word out regarding concerns at the prison. First alert investigator Beth Warden sat down with that man earlier today and tells us what he plans to do if he is fired for speaking up. For 16 months, Scott Schlegel has been a correctional officer at the South Dakota State Penitentiary in Sioux Falls. The retired veteran tells us why he's going on camera to speak out. I don't tolerate people being trampled on by a state agency. He says recent attacks on prison employees comes down to one thing. We just don't have the officers. I don't care what Wasco says. I don't care what Ben Nature says. We do not have the officers. With ongoing mandatory overtime stretching a shift up to 16 hours, the staff is tired. And our response times aren't going to be the greatest. In fact, when you hear code red, unless it's a staff assault, people aren't running anymore. Schlegel says the ratios of inmates to officers has been changed. So technically, if there's two people in the cell, you have to have four people at the cell door, okay? Oh yeah, they followed that for a little while, but guess what? They changed all these numbers around and, and changing the post numbers. And correctional officers share stories of broken promises from when they were hired. Your family don't come first. Your mental health don't come. The Sioux Falls prison appears to have more staffing problems than other locations. You have a major that is married to a CO that just retired. You have a major that is has a sister that is a captain that is married to an associate warden. So don't tell me they went and cleaned house the first time when they came through. With the possible construction of a new facility in Lincoln County, Schlego cautions that staff will be gone for longer periods of time, driving inmates to Sioux Falls for medical and other appointments. Some officers may find the new location to be a breaking point. People are ready that are you know, driving 45 minutes to an hour into work right now. And just by talking to them, they're like, if they keep the pay the same, I, I won't be able to afford to drive out there. He's risking his job in hopes of creating change. And if they fire him? I will file a court action against him. Uh, and I will not be filing, filing on the state level. I'll be filing on the federal level. In Sioux Falls, Beth Warden, Dakota News Now. And we have asked the South Dakota Department of Corrections regarding staffing levels at the prison and for staff requests for additional training. We will provide that information to you once the DOC replies. So it seems like they've got some serious issues there. Um, Jake, uh, just hearing <clears throat> that they have a, a major whose sister is a captain who's married to the associate warden. It sounds like a uh, family actually does come first <laughs> that <laughs> penitentiary because everyone is a family. Uh, contrary that, to what some will say. Yeah. Contrary to what this, uh, this officer who, by the way, if he's got, uh, I think they said 16 months in, they will definitely fire him and they will mm -hmm. fire him for cause. Uh, mm -hmm. They will find some reason 
Now that oh, he's yeah. painted this target on his back, he, he no longer has a career, I'm sure. Because when you're in a corrections environment, there's always some reason why you can be fired. I mean, mistakes happen, incidents occur. But most of all, you can just be blamed for something. Um, most policies are, are broad enough where even for doing this interview, they could say that he damaged the morale of the facility and they could fire him just for that. So I think if they have a cause and certainly the state has lawyers, I don't see how this guy stays employed. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, no, he, and, uh, you know, trying saying I'll, I'll file on the federal level. Uh, good luck. I mean, I don't know what the, what they have like in their writer and, um, in their, um, what do you call it? Like their, book as far as what they're supposed to do as employees um i mean we have things that say you're not supposed to talk about things that would damage the reputation of the agency that i work for so i'm sure they have something analogous to that in um, sioux falls so um it would be it wouldn't be difficult i wouldn't think to terminate more like you said you know if they don't have anything on the books they will look and find something yeah but but um, I mean, similarly, the agency I work for is kind of separate from it's adjacent to another facility and they have similar um, nepotism issues. And, you know, every so often we hear, oh, things are going to be different. Things are going to change. Things are going to improve. Um, but somehow the more things change, the more they stay the same. They come up with these uh quote-unquote solutions and then they find themselves in a staffing shortage and then asking us to help again and i went over um to help and was working maximum the maximum security segregation unit over there and because uh, that's i was like basically officers were challenging that sergeants are worthless and won't go over and and work over um, at the adjacent facility and they said, are, are any of the sergeants going to go? And I said, yeah, sure, I'll go. And went over there, worked several um, overtime shifts over the course of a month or two. And um, shortly after that, I show up to work. And the um, basically, the assistant warden is sitting in um, my administrator's office and starts to grill me and ask questions about the time that I was over there and working. So... I was like, I'm not going to go help if my job's going to be in jeopardy. You know, if these people are going to take their drama and bring it over to us and, you know, I'm secure in my job. I work for a good administration and a, a overall a good agency. Um, our issues are um, mostly come from another level, like the oversight for our facility comes from a different agency. And frankly, that agency um, has a lot of issues. So it's enough that I'm, I'm willing to stay there, but I was not willing to risk my job to go work at a facility like that. So I can imagine what these officers are going through because um, I have a little experience, but, um, but thankfully that's not my everyday. I can't imagine uh, working in that environment day in, day out with the overtime. I mean, I worked 12 hour shifts, so 16 hour and worked four or five, 16 hour shifts a week. So for that, so, um, I don't, I don't really, the news says that as a shocking number, oh, they work 16 hour shifts. And it's like, well, no fucking shit. Like, obviously that that's something that happens very regularly. And I'm usually crying all the way to the bank when, when that happens. So I'm kind of like, um, but obviously I, I've, we had a situation not too long ago where a, uh, inmate was making a, making comments, derogatory comments towards kitchen staff. I can't imagine them like assaulting a member of kitchen staff and having them by the throat. Um, that's not something that, um, should ever occur. And it's kind of a nightmare situation. So again, like the, the issues that I deal with versus this. Um, sound like this is another level. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, just for those listening, some people that work inside the prison are not security staff at all. In fact, <clears> they don't work for the government. They work for a contract agency. They come in and cook the food. 
Zach, you know, you're kind of a throwback to another era. You know, now we're in a Biden era where nobody wants to work. Nobody uh, is taking jobs when they can, you know, uh, be on Twitch and play video games for money or <laughs> yeah. co collect unemployment. Like the the face of, of, of employment has really changed since you were a correctional officer. Did you have to deal with staffing shortages? Did you have to deal with uh, emergency situations in which nobody was running to problems? Does that does that sound totally alien to you or was that something that, that was occurring for you back then? No, definitely alien to me. Um, that's what I was thinking. Like during the whole thing, like, you know, it, this was pre, you know, the riots, pre Floyd, pre, you know, hatred towards police and corrections. And so there were, you know, legitimate officers that enjoyed their job and loved to do their job still working there. Um, and, you know, we were more than fully staffed. He said four on the door. I'm like, oh, I remember at least twice that sometimes, <laughs> like just because we had an abundance of staff um, when they were like uh, Jake said, with the uh, attacking of the worker, like that's the first thing I thought of, like, like, man, like in a cooler by yourself with an inmate almost was non-existent. Uh, in our facility because we had such an abundance of staff that you kind of always kept an eye on everything going on. It's uh, interesting to hear that perspective because I think a lot of times in modern corrections, well, we take for granted just how bad things have gotten. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jake says like, you know, being mandated to stay for two shifts, working 16 hours that he laughs all the way to the bank. I know that for him, that, that means uh, more money. He can use to stockpile ammunition in his attempts to overthrow the U.S. government. But for a lot of people, it means time away from from families. And, it you know, it, that certainly being in the negative corrections environment and if your facility is basically failing, um, being forced to stay there. Um, one article I read about this facility was is that people are being mandated right out the door. You know, no, people don't want to go to a job where they're having to work, you know, uh, what? If this is happening four or five, you know, three or four days a week. You're, you're talking about an 80 hour work week. Yeah. The job itself will burn you out at 40 hours, let alone if you're doing it twice as much, you know, you know, good for you for the money. But I think there's a breaking point between uh, raking it in with your overtime and having to pay the high cost of, like he said, families and, and your mental health uh, just going down the shitter. Uh, and I think it's important to remember that there was a time when corrections was, um, at least you know where, where you work that things were being handled well and that people wanted yeah. to do the job and that people were getting backup and support it seems like this facility that that has just long since gone by the wayside what do you see as a, a way for them to fix it i mean uh, the obvious answer is to employ more people but if people don't want to do the job you know is the administration really to blame if they can't find people to work there what would what would what do you think would help uh ooh, i mean that's a tough one Strictly if you have no if you have no answer yeah i mean, I mean like that yeah right, cause, cause yeah <laughs> yeah i mean the administration i obviously you know there's complaints with the administration as well as the staffing so you know does the administration problems stem from the staffing or does the staffing stem from the administration's problems and so it's like you know it's kind of a it's kind of a lose lose depending on what you know do they rehaul the administration and try to rehire people maybe i mean they're all related so i mean i guess you know you yeah send a notice to one household you you know got a whole new staff so what he said was is he said do you think they clean house when they went through here before they went through a, a big shakeup recently in terms of of their staff and uh, there were there were claims that nepotism were going on and that, that was all going to get fixed but it seems to be like there's just as much of that going on as now than ever. So now uh, let me ask you this. Do you feel like this officer is actually helping by bringing attention to this plight or is he actually making it worse? Because now, you know, I, I'm a 911 dispatcher now, but like if I wanted to switch things up and go work there, if I see this, if I see how, how bad it is, like I definitely don't want to work there. Yeah, I, de I definitely don't. I mean, like you feel like you're doing good because you want people to understand what's happening behind doors. But if one of the problems is short staffing and you say, oh, man, it sucks to work here. Like that's not helping the staffing issues whatsoever. So it's it's that it's that double edged sword. It gets the in your eyes, the corruption and the, you know, a, abuse of employees out into the open. But it also makes somebody not want to come work there to yeah. help with that.
Jake, as a as a sergeant, what would you think of an officer who basically aired the dirty laundry on the news? Uh, well, like I said, at our um, facility, it wouldn't be difficult for them to be file, fired for saying that. Um, a lot of times what we, we see is people coming to uh, vent to myself or administration or something or uh, sometimes fellow officers about what's going on and sometimes they actually have a little bit of constructive criticism and possibly even a solution um, to uh, at least one of the myriad of issues that you go through just in the job um, so that could be constructive but I, I feel like if they went through the shakeup I, I feel like most things happen from the top down I know our staff issues, some of the staffing issues just comes from a different time. It's a different generation. It's people that don't want to work. It's people that get through and apply for this job somehow um, aren't aren't up to snuff. They're not, they're not the type of people that should be working there. Um, usually my solution for short staffing is to hire taller staff, but uh, we had a guy that was almost seven foot tall and um, he turned out to be a huge issue for our um organization so i don't think that's necessarily um the situation like that's going to be helpful um i would say that uh a lot of things the reason i know that that neighboring facility doesn't do well is because they always come in with like i said solutions in quotes but they don't want to deal with the root of the issue which is nepotism which is their own hubris which is their they kind of challenge you to uh, tell them how to fix things like well what would you do you know what's your solution and most people um, aren't as um, honest and uh, possibly a little too honest like myself where a little little brutish where I'll say I basically told this person well uh, the issues stem from administration down and the example that's set so that's why people act the way that they do towards the job is because they've lost respect. <laughs> I told this to the associate warden and uh, I wasn't fired because I was sitting there with my administrator, but uh, <laughs> I have no doubts uh, how that conversation would have gone if I actually worked for this person. Yeah. So um, my experience, you know, the vast majority of issues will come from another, the either, state or federal level oversight will cause issues or um, the administration will cause issues. Um, that's, I'd say it's probably like a 70, 30 problem, maybe 30, maybe 40% of your issue comes from um, staff, which is always the thing that gets addressed. If they address anything is they always, they always, it's easy to fire staff. It's easy to um, do those sorts of things. It's difficult to be, to look at yourself and say, how can I improve? Where am I failing? Um, that's just difficult universally. But um, if they want things to improve, that's what they need to do, I think. You're still muted, John. Sorry, thank you. I'm bad at this. It's uh, someone else take over. It's funny you mentioned this as a, um, as a proportionate thing, as a ratio thing, 70-30 or whatever it is that you said. Um, because that's not the entire equation. Um, I'm continuing to just look at stories from this place. Um, this is something that uh, I'll just read to you. And this is from, this was published August 24th of last year. Two inmates charged with attempted murder and aggravated assault for attacking correctional officers at the state pen in Sioux Falls. Two inmates at the state penitentiary in Sioux Falls are being charged with attempted murder and aggravated assault against law enforcement officers following assaults against correctional officers Thursday morning according to the Attorney General Marty Jackley. The assault happened at 8.30 a.m. in Unit D of the Jameson Annex. The officer was taken to a local hospital for treatment and has been released, according to the South Dakota Office of the Attorney General. The inmates, 48-year-old Lester M. Monroe and 30-year-old Kyle L. Jones, are being charged with the attempted murder and aggravated assault on a law enforcement officer. The two will be charged with second second aggravated assault against a law enforcement officer for an attack on a second correctional officer who arrived to help. The second officer was treated at a local hospital and later released also, according to officials. Quote, this was a violent incident where officers were assaulted, said Attorney General Jackley. Department of Corrections staff responded quickly and took control of the situation. 
My thoughts and prayers are with the officers and their families. Well, I mean, officers and families, again, being used sort of interchangeably here. This is a statement from the attorney general as well. Monroe is serving time for simple assault on law enforcement out of Minnehaha County and receiving transferring a stolen vehicle out of Bennett County. Jones is serving time for first degree manslaughter, including eluding a police officer, unauthorized ingestion of a controlled substance all out of Minnehaha County. The State Division of Criminal Investigation, I guess that's the DCI they mentioned, is investigating the incident. Attorney General's office is handling the prosecution. I applaud the swift actions of security staff to get control out of the situation and promptly getting their asses kicked, said Department of Corrections Secretary Kelly Wasco. I think that's the guy that the correction officer mentioned. The governor has been fully briefed and engaged. The warden and I wish the officer a full recovery. Please refer all additional questions on this matter to the attorney general's office. Don't ask me no more questions, she said, before leaving the room in a very Joe Biden style. Inmates Monroe and Jones are being held at the state penitentiary. They're presumed innocent under the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, they're presumed innocent, even though these officers got their asses kicked. Previously, a correction officer was taken by ambulance to Avira McKinnon Hospital. Following an assault on the South Dakota State Penitentiary Thursday morning, multiple correctional officers are telling Dakota News Now that the incident happened approximately 9 a.m. when two offenders physically attacked a correctional officer on the Delta floor of the Jameson Annex. The officer was alone on the unit at the time. So we have a lot of correctional officers talking to the news about what's going on there. So we could call this a labor problem. We could call this a morale problem. But that pales in comparison to the risks that are actually in place at this prison where we have had two correctional officers assaulted this past summer and the inmates charged with attempted murder. It's got to be a bad assault for them to be charged with attempted murder, right? It's not just aggravated assault if they're using a weapon. If, if, if it's attempted murder, it must have been far worse than what this article indicates. Zach, is that kind of the, the impression that you get out of it? If any, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you hear attempted murder and you hear like assault, like there's two very different scenes in your head of what happened to this officer, especially to me, anyways. Um, yeah, the uh, attempted murder had. I mean, he had to have really, you know, done done some damage to this poor officer and the guy that was coming to to help him help him yeah um i I imagine it had to have been that bad because he was on the unit by himself so there were no other officers yeah Uh, that would probably mean that uh, an officer watching on camera or the officer who's in the control pod for that unit probably called for help and uh you know the first video that we watched where the guy says unless it's a staff assault we don't come and run it anymore that means that he's been dealing with a lot of staff assaults lately, uh, yeah. which is not something that should be the norm. What? How often did staff assaults occur at the jail that you worked at uh, forever and a day ago? Uh, I mean, I hate to say often, not often, but, you know, um, often enough major assaults. No, I mean, obviously a lot of the guys would test the officers and, you know, you'd get, you know, the you know, they would buck up to them and stuff. But to this level, like, I think my two years, we had one. Okay. I think, you know, we know it's a part of the job, whether it's you working in the county jail or the state correctional facility. I think one of the major differences is, is at the jail, you're getting people who are very um, uh, agitated. You know, they've, yeah. they've just come to jail. They're only going to be there a short time. They're in the midst of all their adjudication. I think something that was very common for me when I worked at the state house was, these guys are doing like, you know, three years, five years, 10 years, 12 years, 20 years for the rest of their lives. They tend to calm down and they sort of reach a, a sort of state of uh, stasis where they just ex- kind of accept that their lives are like this. And yeah. so for me, where I worked, assaults on staff were were very, very uncommon uh, to the point where, you know, you weren't seeing them happen every couple of months or anything like that. Uh, and now it, it seems like... Uh, at least at this facility that they're seeing them all the time. I guess I don't, I don't know what the recent statistics were like or if they're seeing a spike, but Jake, uh, how often uh, do assaults on staff occur where you work? Um, it's, it's fairly common. I would say I'm kind of surprised when I come from days off and there isn't a report of so, at least an attempted or, um, and, and for, for reference, I do work at a smaller facility. There's four sergeants, so we're responsible for 25% of the time. Um, so I'm three and a half days on, three and a half days off, working 12-hour shifts. Um, there is one day where we all work six hours, 
that we're all there um, at some point um, for coverage. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would say it's a, there's probably a couple per, per week, at least attempted. Um, a lot of times they're, they're not, you know, like I said, they're paragraphs rather than essays. So, um, they, they don't really get very far. A lot of times I've, I've had several times just in the last month or two where I've had somebody, um, basically bow up to me and I just grab them, toss them in their cell and shut the door. I don't, don't call for assistance. Don't, you know, cause it's not, it's not necessary. Usually there's a unit officer there as well. Sometimes they get excited and call for assistance and have to call it off. Um, so it, it depends. I mean, violent, like really violent instances, like this sounds like it was, um, maybe a couple a year, um, that we have to deal with. Um, but again, that's, it's a very small facility. So, um, if you were to take that number and multiply it by a facility like Sioux Falls, like the number of population, it's probably similar to what they're experiencing now, unfortunately. And, and that's the thing, like, like that officer said, I will give him, um, give him this one saying that, you know, there should be multiple officers when they're dealing with things and there should be multiple officers on the tiers and there should be definitely be um, a large number of officers if you have to do something like a cell entry um, and there's not so um, that that is a policy that they're they're making based on their staffing saying well we have we can't just be violating our policy all the time we have to change the policy yeah which but is which is not not good I mean what you need to do is make sure you have enough people and support the people you have yeah, you can't. It doesn't work when you when you set up a, a certain policy for like the number of officers you have to have before you can make an entry or something, no. and then you just find that like no one can abide by that at all. So you just well the policy's out the door. You know what's the reason for the policy in the first place? Then if you, know, you, you don't have any intention or ability to live up to that, and officers hate that. Officers hate when uh, it's their job to enforce the rules and uphold policy, and then they see the upper staff uh, not doing that. I mean, it comes down to what is policy for, right? So policy is uh, basically a decision or a standing order that's put in place so that you don't have to constantly contact administration and say, is it okay for us to do this? Is it okay for us to do that? You know, the, the admin comes up with uh, general guidelines, policies, rules, procedures for how to do things. Um, and then, of course, if the, the upper staff, the management is there and a situation arises in which the policy is not helpful or a problem, the upper staff has the authority to use context and their own authority and their decision making to say, well, we're not going by policy on this occasion and we're going to assume more liability or we're going to assume more risk or whatever. And, and, it, and it's actually fine to do that because that's what their authority is. But officers always hate that because it's the, they feel like, well, why do I why do I work so damn hard and put myself at such risk to uphold the policies when? As soon as they're inconvenient for someone with some authority around here, they just get dispensed with. So policies mean more than just how do we rule, how do we run the prison when someone who's an upper staff isn't present? It's sort of a, it's almost like a code of honor to these officers when they have to uh, try to abide by them and, and uphold those policies. And it, it's always a little bit insulting when they, when they go out the window. And it was always uh, hard for me as a correctional officer to sort of distance myself from that and realize that the policies are in place to protect me. And not really to restrict the, you know, the activities or the abilities or the decision-making process of the people who will be assuming the risk by doing that. But it's it's very tough, and it, it just goes further to crush a morale problem. And I don't know how they're going to hire people at, at this prison now with this being in the news. I don't know how someone who values their time or their family is going to say, "I'm definitely going to go work in a place like this." They're going to have to make the money for this job go through the roof. Which oh yeah. At a state agency, you know, the Department of Corrections doesn't get to decide what their hiring wages. The state legislature does. So to say that it takes an act of Congress to raise the rate pay for correctional officers in a state is really only a matter of semantics. It's actually fairly yeah. close to the truth. So I guess I, I feel bad for the correctional officers there, um, for the ones that are sticking around and, and sticking to it and trying to get through it. To keep that community safe, I, I say uh, thank you to you guys. But Man, what a tough job. And to be honest, I, I wouldn't want to go work there. 
You guys uh, have any closing thoughts on that poor situation out there? Uh, it's just, it, it seems that, yeah, it's definitely going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, yeah. I think, I think maybe, you know, if like they said, they already did it once the overhaul, I think that's the only way you're going to draw people into the hiring process is the, 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 the public display of overhauling the administration. I think yeah. that may be, you know, something that they could do, but I think it's definitely going to get way worse for them. I mean, it's obviously they're having issues more and more often. So I yeah. can see them being in the news a lot more. Yeah, it's good. probably, yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think the only way that, uh, as far as a, an employment campaign, the only thing they can do is march these people out with cameras on saying, Hey, the, the, the people here who are causing a problem are now gone, but you also have to have, and you know, it's a problem that feeds <clears> it on <throat> itself. Like how do you, how do you build a track record of success? to bring people in when the people not being there is part of the reason why you're failing. You know, it's a problem yeah. that just feeds into itself. So, you know, there's probably one or two administrative people around there who are actually trying to fix the problem. And I, I guess I feel bad for them because it seems like an impossible situation. Jake, any last thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I think it, it it's going to take some major changes to make any kind of positive influence. But like I said, I think uh, supporting the officers, the people that are actually doing the work, is extremely important that needs to come from the the top down and i think like in our agency um you know we deal with staffing shortages and stuff as well um even with a decent administration and uh, at least an attempt from um sergeants and stuff to uh try to help staff along and to support them um so it's like for us, it's like higher, higher, higher. I'm like, make sure we have as many positions as we can and then get us in a position where at least in the short term before somebody decides to do something stupid to get fired or leave for another job that we can cut some of the dead weight, get rid of some of the people, um, if whether that's middle management, officers, whatever, that are um, contributing to the problem as well. You know, you can't just, it's a systemic issue. You can't just look at, one dimension of this and say well if we do this it'll it'll make it it'll make it better that's what i've seen in agencies is that it's it goes from the top down but you have to address and start cutting out the cancer at every single level where it's at so i don't know if uh in sioux falls they have they can identify some people that are there that are still decent that understand what the issues are and have constructive plans that they can implement to make it better because that's what you really need somebody from the inside who's motivated to um, come up with solutions and implement them if they took yeah. somebody that that has knowledge of the facility and the issues and was able to and they supported them and coming up with issues you could make it better i don't think it'll it'll ever be um perfect they're talking about oh well our solution often is well let's build a new jail you know, that will take care of our issue. It's because the jail's old. Well, I don't give a shit if the jail cell is 100 years old or 10 years old. Um, if you have a violent offender in there, you know, covered in their own blood, it doesn't make any fucking difference to me. So uh, there's a there's a lot of different uh, different levels to this. It's a, it's a big issue that's going to take a lot of um, thing difficult things in order to improve the situation. And... Um, I have serious doubts whether that's going to happen just from experience seeing the these sorts of things but yeah i think um kudos to all the people that are working there still trying to make a difference still trying to do their job whether um, administration whether um, the people that are in oversight positions over you give a shit care or whatever um that's why we're here that's why i'm sure you shared this story is you want to support if there's anybody there that's decent and trying to do their job you'd like to stand in solidarity for them you know for whatever whatever it counts um the people here at hard time kind of understand a little bit about what you're going through and um, are supportive of it because they're fighting a battle not many people understand or uh, frankly give a shit about but it matters you know what they're doing matters 
It does. And I guess I just wanted to tack on to your your statement about both of you guys saying it'll get worse before it gets better. The turbulence of an agency and policies and staffing, it, it irritates the entire inmate population for a long time. And just the turbulence that's going right now is irritating them. But also suppose you roll out big changes saying, hey, we're going to do it this way now. That's going to irritate the inmate population for a long time before it becomes oh, yeah. status quo for them. So the inmates are going to the inmates are almost going to act react to that in a way that's going to cause a lot of backlash but uh let's go ahead and close it out jake uh with a jake joke you know we've been very depressed very <laughs> brought down by the state of things at this poor uh state prison so uh why don't you uh, cheer them up with one of your classic one-liners so uh what do you get if you throw a piano sh- uh piano down a mine shaft uh a missing piano a flat minor That's a good one. <laughs> I think you broke John with that one. Yeah, he's he still has the blank stare. He he's his his mouth is he's like pursing his lips and looking off in the distance. I'm grinding my teeth. It's very bad for me. <laughs> All right, I... guys. Thanks for joining me on uh, Hard Time. Uh, I appreciate it, Zach. Where can people yeah, no find problem. you if they want to find you? uh we no, like, go, what's your physical address so they- my physical address so go ahead and uh, yeah uh go with google maps um <laughs> yeah so uh we go live over at the crispy donut community's youtube uh five days a week uh monday through friday at 5 p.m eastern and then we also go live sunday mornings at 8 a.m uh for like a coffee and donuts kind of thing and then uh, I'm all over the social medias at Zach Attack Designs. Uh, I do a lot of design work and whatnot. And I see that you got a lot of. I see that you got a lot of patches behind you there. Did you yeah, design I all do. those? Uh, pretty much all the ones over my shoulder here, are all ones I've done, and then some more of mine are all sprinkled in over here. I'm kind of a. Was that a donut uh, pun, by the way? Yeah. Uh, um, I'm kind of a patch guy. I only have a few. Um, yeah i've I've, uh, I've been admiring the target loss prevention one yes target loss prevention that actually (laughs) happened i used to be a macy's loss prevention oh man we we have got a lot of common (laughs) in more ways than one um there was actually a time too where i believe that macy's and and target were part of the dayton hudson corporation so i think they were all related at one point that's pointless to even bring up but that's uh cool to mention that you were also in loss prevention well yeah. once i start a loss prevention co- podcast we'll have to have you back for that. that'll be the next failure to stop podcast yes be. It, it, it will be it was failure to stop uh loss prevention but thank you for joining us i appreciate it uh no problem i'll have to ask you off the air how much it costs to commission a patch because that could be fairly interesting so thanks so much uh, everybody across america for joining us i apologize for jake as always uh adios america say goodbye jake Goodbye, Jake.